Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of Southern Sports Central. Uh, my name is William Porter. I am usually the one, as Richie says, was behind the glass, uh, you know, answering the phone calls, pressing the buttons, making sure that the show is running smoothly, and so we will. Uh, Richie is taking a hiatus this morning, and hopefully he will uh, join us here soon. Uh, but nonetheless, welcome in. Uh, and again, once again, my name is Will Porter, and this is Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. Man, another uh, crazy day in the world of sports uh, on Monday. And to uh, wrap it all up and to spit it back out again in this Tuesday edition of, of the show. Um, of course, there were some bowl games that were um, that were left over from, from the weekend and also from yesterday, and we will dive into those. And also, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, the quarterback from Alabama, he made his decision yesterday, and it was announced live on ESPN. And he he made his decision to declare for the NFL draft. So uh, we'll just uh, kind of dissect uh, his choice and really what that means uh, moving forward, both both for him and for uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Plus, uh, Dallas Cowboys, the the saga is finally over. I guess maybe I will have to wait and see. The Dallas Cowboys, they finally found uh, their new head coach. And, um, of course, all of that and much more as we are, uh, you know, doing some things different here. Uh, as Richie alluded to uh, in yesterday's show, uh, he, you know, uh, starting off at a new time just an hour earlier. And we are, uh, of course, uh, poised to, to set up and to continue to give you these um, – uh, to, to continue to give you a great quality show. Uh, and that is our goal. That is our objective. And so if you want to be a part of that show as well, uh, to, to dive into these conversations here uh, with us, uh, feel free to do that. And the number to call in, of course, is 323-784-9681. And the, these are great conversations that we have that we, uh, that we try to give you, again, a five-star quality show. Um, and you know this is going to be another great show, and so we hope that you uh, that you tune in here. Um, and of course, a lot a lot more that happened other than just those those big stories. Uh, again, the the bowl game that happened, uh, got um, some college basketball to dive into as well, or, or at least to look forward to. Then, um, and, and I know that I'm excited about that. But you know, just a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to really. Uh, try to try to dive into as much as we can here because you know there, there's a lot more 
um, there's a lot more going on. And, and you know, with the, the high school athletics and football uh, is kind of winding down. Uh, you've got some of the uh, some of the recruits from across the country that they uh, declared where they're going to go uh, play school at the um, at the next level. And these guys here, they um, they made their choices, I think, rather um, rather without any um, without any hesitation. And a lot of these young young athletes, you know, that they put a lot of time and a lot of thought, uh, a lot of prayer into these decisions and where they're going to go next. Uh, and, and so they're kind of going to dive into those uh, as well. And if, if I'm not sure if we're going to have any guests, but if we do, we'll be sure to uh, let you know about that for one. And two, that this is just going to, it's going to be a great show, great conversation to be had. So without further ado, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. If you want to call into the show, once again, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. And this is Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio, and we will be right back.
yo, I'm in your area, this is your burial, definitely Send, send, send up your stereo, get this jumping like Mario, now you ain't f- with me You, 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 it's terrible, I might embarrass you right here in front of your whole family Sick, 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 getting carry on, spitting malaria, hot in a f***ing Nigeria yeah. This is the, this is the Year with a beer, leave a hair on the chair so they know we was here Staring in fear like a deer when the car coming near In the middle of a roll, bit of beer You don't want to rock with the man, hands off of the grands Counting up bands while I talk to the fans Knew I could jam, but the top wasn't playing Now everybody want to be friends? Damn, how you? Said I'm just fine, in the right place At the wrong time, said I go crazy Out of my mind, and I think bad when daddy wrote down That it might scrape, and it might grind But you work hard, and it might shine Let me slow down, switch the time, and quit hiding Back up, back up, back up and good morning once again welcome back in to this tuesday edition of southern sports central we made it through the first week of the new year of the new decade uh as everybody's saying 20 20. And that's right. We're going to keep rolling with you right through it. Uh, speaking of rolling right through it, we're going to just go go right on ahead and uh, continue this Tuesday edition of Southern Sports Central with the Lending Tree Bowl. So the Raging Cajuns going up against Miami of Ohio, uh, uh, Lewis, and uh, the University of Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette beating Miami of Ohio 27 to 17. Uh, in this game, the Lending Tree Bowl. Uh, Levi Lewis, they added one more win uh, to the most successful season in their school history. Now, Lewis, uh, he threw two touchdowns, uh, two touchdown passes to uh, Jamarcus Bradley, and the Raging Cajuns beat Miami of Ohio 27-17 to in the Lending Tree Bowl Monday night. Now, Louisiana Lafayette, they earned their first bowl win since 2014. They finished with a school record 11 victories. And that is not one, but two more than the previous mark. Um, and their coach, um, Billy Napier, um, Napier, he said, tonight our guys were at their best when it mattered the most. We made a lot of progress as a team this season and the last month leading up to this game. Now, Lewis, he was 19 of 26 for 246 yards. Um, and the Raging Cajuns, uh, he was there for the Raging Cajuns. Uh, and Bradley, uh, Jamarcus Bradley, he finished with seven receptions with 88 yards. And don't forget those two touchdowns. Uh, and Lewis also had eight carries uh, for a game high of 62 yards. Uh, just a great game. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to watch some of it. Uh, th- uh, this game was uh, kind of – it looked like it was going to get very close again. Um, you know, but – uh, the Raging Cajuns, they, they made a statement very early, and they continued to control the ball um, as much as they could. Now, possession really mattered in this game, but it mattered really what you did with it because uh, Miami of Ohio, they controlled the ball uh, a lot more, uh, about about two or three minutes more than the Raging Cajuns did. But they had a, they had a costly turnover with a fumble that – the Raging Cajuns got back, and they made him pay for it. Um, also, the fact of the discipline, but it was on the Raging Cajun side, nine penalties for 53 yards, but compared to the three for 23 uh, for the Miami, Ohio uh, team there. Now, uh, we, we mentioned 
Uh, we mentioned the, the, the quarterback for uh, the Raging Cajuns, uh, Levi Lewis, but I want to give some love over here to um, man, Brett Gabbert, uh, the quarterback there from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, probably not going to get a lot of credit here, but man was slinging it all over the field. 22-31, 248 yards. A lot of these scores really uh, just really telling, uh, you know, field goal, touchdown. Uh, so some touchdowns there, uh, here and there for Miami of Ohio. They just couldn't be able to get the ball rolling as much as they wanted to. Uh, this was a very physical game, nonetheless. And it looked like the other Asian Cajuns that they had it all. Um, they had it all under control for, for just about the entire game. Uh, and this this one here, at least uh, at least the spread was covered. Miami of Ohio, um, they, they were unfavored. Um, and the uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette, I just need to get it right in order to say it. Um, they were favored 15 points, and the over-under was 56. So uh, you can think way under guess uh, for the betting line uh, for this game that was in Mobile, Alabama at Ladd Peebles Stadium. Uh, about about 30,000 people in attendance for a Monday night uh, football game, which, you know, quite honestly, I think that they were in for, they were in for a treat and uh, some, some crazy, some crazy mishaps that happened also as well. There's a, there's a video out there um, that Miami center, he snapped it. uh, He snapped the ball past Gabbard um, for a 23 yard loss. Uh, That was one of those uh, little fluke, uh, fluke plays that happened and, uh, something that you that you definitely don't want to happen, and and if it, there's anything that's going to be fixed, it's going to have to be fixed uh, next week or next year. I mean, why I say next week? You're still going to have football, but it's not going to be in college next week. It's going to be the national championship game, uh, LSU and Clemson, and this one that was going to be a, a very good one, uh, as as we all know. And now we are, of course, going to keep you covered on all the fronts. Uh, in, in regards to that news and what uh, what we're going to do, what we're going to dissect, um, and just and just really giving you the listener a a better sense of the the, the picture and a, a perspective. And of course, um, there is myself, but there's also Richie uh, Richie Altman, and we will do the best that we can uh, to give you a quality uh, coverage and. Um, just continuous support uh, throughout uh, giving, feeding you information that support uh, for the national championship game, we, everything leading up into. So that one's going to kick off again at 8 o'clock next Monday. So six days from now on ESPN. LSU's favored by about five and a half. This is one of those, another one of those, maybe it's a coin toss game. Uh, we, we saw what Clemson did against Ohio State, but we also saw what LSU did against Oklahoma. And I get it, Oklahoma was kind of on the on the fences here uh, in in that game in the in the Peach Bowl, but it was a it was a matter of heart and who wanted it more, and I think LSU wanted it more. Plus, they had the more talented team all across the board, and and this one this one's going to be set up for uh, success. Uh, hopefully. Now the betting line has LSU. I think the people also have LSU. But Clemson is slightly favored. 
55.8% um, matchup predictor according to ESPN's Power Football or Football Power Index. And again, the, the betting line spread is five and a half. The over and under is 69 and a half. And, the, and the, these are just pure um, you know, possible just numbers that we look at here. You know, they, they both boast about 45 points a game. At least Clemson does 48 for LSU and they, these two stellar offenses. One, one of them historic in, in the LSU, Bayou Bengals. But for Clemson and, and this team, the defense that they that they boast up, that they post up, they have only allowed about 10 or 11 points per game. LSU's allowed 21. And stop rate, stop rate is right there. These two teams are are about about there and close to stop rate on defense. Clemson, of course, being number one. And LSU being somewhere ranked in the top 10, if not the top 20. Because, again, these are, these are two teams that they do a lot more to um, really sati- like to really satisfy uh, the viewer and what, what it is that they're looking for. If you're looking for a dominant game, these two, these two teams do it. And LSU did it uh, once again in the college football playoff, but Clemson was able to uh, you know, pull a rabbit out of the hat and secure a win against Ohio State. And that, that was just a crazy wild game in and of itself. And again, we'll continue to talk about this as the, um, as the week goes on because the, these are still the conversations to be had. Uh, and, and I will have those, of course, with Richie. And uh, no matter uh, how, we can, how we can get it to you, um, we're still going to get it to you nonetheless. And, hey, just a quick note. If you do want to call in uh, to the show, you know, Please don't mind us. Um, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. Again, 323-784-9681. Going to continue to roll with you here uh, until uh, at about the 630 mark uh, and just kind of continuing to um, kind of show some things uh, Show some things here on, on the college front. Tua uh, made his decision yesterday. He, he made his decision to forego his senior season and enter the NFL draft. And he, he made that decision with, uh, without haste, without um, any, any doubt in his mind. If anybody who got to see the press conference um, and got to, to listen to him and his words, he, he was very direct, uh, to say the least. He had, a, he had a speech prepared, and a lot of his time was spent uh, looking down to read that uh, speech and to try and get it right as much as he could. And the reason that he held a press conference is because he wanted them to I, – I would assume that he wanted the media and everyone out there to hear it from him first. Yeah, you got the social media. Yeah, you've got the um, – yeah, you got this and that and the other, but the great thing about what he did was that he did it in person. And he did it with heart. He did it with meaning. 
and it was it was very quick, very direct. And afterwards, he was he was there to answer some questions. And um, no, I, I, he was just he was a little bit rushed in his words, in my opinion. But that that's just the pressure for him to uh, to perform uh, and and to just make going ahead and make this decision. I, I think that he wanted to get it over with as soon as possible. Um, now he is a projected top ten pick. Uh, and as we all as we all know, he missed the final three games uh, of the season, uh, recovering from hip surgery. Um, he will, you know, of course, forego and enter the NFL draft. He was the Heisman Trophy winner uh, or tri- trophy runner up. Uh, he made the announcement again the, during the news conference Monday uh, at the Mal M. Moore Athletic Facility on campus, calling it a difficult decision, quote unquote. Um, he made after consulting with his parents, pastors, doctors, and coaches. Uh, he did not use crutches in, in this. If anybody saw him on the sideline in, in the Citrus Bowl, saw him, he was in crutches. He was uh, kind of strolling on the, along the sidelines and, and all of that, just really taking it in. Uh, and, and that was the big, uh, that was, that was the big speculation uh, surrounding him and, and being there. Uh, dressed out, but not, you know, of course he's not in pads, uh, but, you know, strolling around the sideline when he could be staying home. Right? Dude, dude's a college kid. He, he's a college age. And, you know, what he wants to do, what he wanted to do, uh, was just to soak in those last few moments uh, with his brothers, with his, uh, with his coaches, with his team, with everyone there. Uh, but he did not use his crutches as he had in recent weeks he said he met with Alabama coach Nick Saban five times in the past week, and he had uh, multiple conversations with multiple NFL executives. This is going to be uh, this is going to provide a good segue for us here into the next segment uh, of the show. Um, it's a, it's a very unique situation, uh, he says. You know, with my hip, and this is him speaking. With my hip, a lot of the guys and general managers and owners that I've gotten to talk to. I've said the same thing. They kind of look at this injury as a knee injury almost, even though it's not. Um, in a way that we are going to take a chance on this guy, or would he be able to possibly do a pro day before the draft? The biggest thing they want to see is that we can move and be back to how we're playing uh, prior to the injury. And these are his words. Talking about the doctors uh, and the consults, with the NFL executives and whoever that, that may want him. Now, as to whether he will be physically fit enough to participate in a pro day, Tagovailoa said that he would leave that up to the advice of doctors, citing a recheck of his hip surgery around the three-month mark. Uh, and he said, I don't think any of the doctors can tell the foreseeable future. None of the, none of the guys rehabbing can tell me that. Uh, from what they've seen in New York, everything looks good, but you can't really tell until the three-month mark or the four-month mark. That's the gauge. And, of course, despite the medical concerns, uh, ESPN's Mel Kuyper Jr. had him rated third overall in his latest big board um, and really the second uh, quarterback to be taken in the draft behind uh, Joe Burrow. Now, the Miami Dolphins are expected to show great interest in Tagovailoa uh, with the fifth pick in the draft if he slides that far. Now, his status as a draft prospect has been in question since he dislocated his hip. 
uh, during that game against Mississippi State back on November 16th. And he had surgery shortly thereafter and has been rehabbing with the team since. An Alabama team orthopedic surgeon Lyle Kane told ESPN that Tagovailoa wouldn't be able to rescue, uh, resume athletic activity until around mid-February and won't be ready to begin throwing until sometime in the spring. And now Tagovailoa was still feeling the effects of a surgery uh, to repair a high ankle sprain at the time of his hip injury. Uh, he had the surgery to repair a similar high ankle sprain in his other foot the previous season. Tagovailoa said that he did not consider waiting and entering the supplemental drafts, which would have allowed him extra time to recover from surgery. And Saban spoke uh, to Tagovailoa's announcement prior, and he lauded the impact uh, uh, the quarterback has had on the entire program, uh, talking more about his spirit than anything else. Uh, the Tagovailoa's spirit and his heart, genuine heart as a person, uh, the, just the positive. And, and in a way, Tagovailoa's spirit has changed Saban in a positive way. Tua has probably had as much of an impact on the program here as any player we've ever had. Those were Saban's words. Tagovailoa burst onto the scene, as we all know, as a true freshman when he came off the bench, led Alabama to win that uh, the national championship against Georgia. Uh, he beat out Jalen Hurts for the starting job and tossed a combined 76 touchdowns and only nine interceptions in the last two seasons. He was the runner-up to Kyler Murray in the 2018 Heisman Trophy race. Um, Tagovailoa spoke with the media about his future a few weeks after undergoing his surgery, saying that there would be a, quote, risk-reward, whether he returned to school or entered the draft. And at the time, he said, being a top 10 or a top 15 would be tough to pass up. And regardless, he said his goal was to play football in the 2020 season, whether wherever that might be. And he said on Monday, I'm optimistic I'll be able to play this coming season. Now, whether that meant in, in the college level or going professionally. And he made a point to thank everyone within the organization. I mean everyone. When I say that, uh, from coaches to trainers to the public relations staff, to academic advisors, as well as athletic director Greg Byrne. And speaking of his teammates, Tagovailoa said, I'm going to miss you all from the starting lineup to the scout team. Pretty incredible. Um, I, I personally believe that showing his true character is coming from within, and he is just expressing that so much. Now, Tagovailoa did make a point to tell everyone in attendance that despite him leaving, there will still be a Tagovailoa on campus. His younger brother, uh, Talia, Talia, he played uh, sparingly as a true freshman. He will be part of the competition to replace Tagovailoa next season. Now, they have several options, as we know. Uh, We got Bryce, uh, he's got Mac Jones, started four games in place of Tagovailoa, and he went three and one in the games that he started, Mac Jones. He says here he's thrown only 13 touchdowns and two interceptions in his time as the starter, Mac Jones. And then incoming freshman Bryce Young, the number one ranked dual threat quarterback in the class of 2020. He arrived on the campus this week. Now we've got a lot of these uh, early entrants. Um, into the draft, Jerry Judy being one right wide receiver and Henry Ruggs the third. 
offensive lineman uh, Jedrick Willis uh, Jr. He's already declared his early interest for the draft as well. Um, now Dylan Moses and Alex Leatherwood, one's a middle linebacker, the other's an offensive lineman, both possible first-round picks. They've announced that they will return to the Tide next season. And shortly after Tagovailoa's announcement, wide receiver Devontae Smith posted on social media that he would be returning for his senior season. And the junior from Louisiana caught 14 touchdown passes this season. Alabama has uh, a few high-profile games to start next season, including an opener against uh, USC in Arlington, Texas, the University of Southern California, by the way, um, on September 5th in a Week 3 game at home against Georgia on September 19th. A lot to pa- a lot to unpack here and a lot to really dive into. And if you want to dive into this uh, segment as well, we're going to continue uh, on into the next half hour with this conversation. But before then, we got to take a quick timeout uh, to get uh, to, to get settled here, to get regrouped, and to uh, just kind of bring again bringing you a, a great show today. If you want to join into the conversation and be a part of the show, uh, be our guest because it is a guest call-in number, the number to call in, 323-784-9681. You're listening to Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio. Quick timeout. We'll be right back. Just a bit of a break from the norm Just a little something to break the monotony Of all that hardcore dance That has gotten to be a little bit out of control It's cool to dance, but what about a groove That soothes and moves romance Give me a soft, subtle mix And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around And put your car on cruise and lay back Cause this is summertime time. Late in the day, and I ain't been on 
not yet. Hustle to the mall to get me a short set. Yeah, I got on sneaks, but I need a new pair. Cause basketball courts in the summer got girls there. The temperature's about 88. Hop in the water plug, just for old time's sake. Break to your crib, change your clothes once more. Cause you're invited to a barbecue to start with four. Sitting with your friends as y'all reminisce about the days growing up and the first person you kiss. And as I think back, makes me wonder how the smell from a grill could spark off nostalgia. All the kids playing out front, little boys messing around with the girls playing double dutch. While the DJ spinning a tune as the old folks dance at your family reunion. Then six o'clock rolls around. You just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop, applies in the beauty salon. Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they spent all day waxing, leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. Welcome back in here, Southern Sports Central, man. Starting your morning off with some Will Smith there, uh, some Fresh Prince, if you will. Yeah, back to the Fresh Prince days, I do believe. If I got that wrong, I am so sorry. It's uh, well before my time, and I uh, certainly wish that I was more cultured than that. <laughs> uh, my name is Will Porter, and um, filling in for Richie Altman, he is uh, on hiatus. Again, if you're just joining us, welcome into the show. This is Southern Sports Central, if you are, are just joining us for the first time, how in the world did you get here? But we're glad that you're with us. Um, time is 6.33 right now. We're going to keep on rolling uh, with this topic of conversation. Uh, if you're just joining us uh, back from the break, I do want to get into, uh, once again, uh, Tua Tagovailoa and his decision to um, forego his senior season and to enter the NFL draft, the, the um, stellar quarterback from Alabama who – uh, we have talked about time and time again for the past two about the past two seasons, and it feels like that it just it just happened that it just ended, um, you know, so abruptly um, the the way that he left. Um, just it, it's a crazy set of circumstances. It really is, uh, and his hip injury is, is uh, it's truly one one in a million. Um, that these that these injuries happen to athletes this way, especially to a football player. Uh, the last time that it was compared, I think uh, somebody made the comparison to the Bo Jackson injury uh, way back when, and that was because we know nobody's ever seen anything like it. And so uh, once it was diagnosed, I think the doctors at Alabama or wherever he is, that they have been – uh, very intricate in the process. They have uh, tried to, um, they've tried to keep him, uh, trying to keep him able to move around and be mobile uh, as much as as much as he can. So that that does not limit him and his ability to go and play football at the next level. So that brings me to my next point and the talking point of conversation. And if you want to call in. Uh, to the show and be part of this conversation. 323-784-9681. Three, three, 
I think that this is the right decision for him, that he made the best decision that he possibly could. I don't think that it's now it, – it's not going to happen that he's going to be the number one overall pick. That's going to go to Joe Burrow, hands down. And there, and there are more factors in it than, than meets the eye. The, the biggest one, in my opinion, is that Joe Burrow is from Ohio. Cincinnati is in Ohio. That's close to where he grew up. And he'll, he'll basically be a hometown hero to a franchise that's been struggling down the stretch. And they, they locked up the first overall pick, I think, with a 2-14 and 14 season. Um, and, and that was it for them. But, again, this was the best decision that Tua could make for him. This, this, was, a, this was a guy who he, he loves the game of football and he loves the people that he's around. He loves the institution um, at Alabama. He loves, uh, he, he loves the football team. He loves, he loves everyone there. Um, and with a heart like that and, the, and a faith as, as strong as he is, a faith that can move mountains the way that, the way that he has. And he moved, he moved a mountain with the way that he played. And the, we, we quite honestly never saw anything like it before. Um, and just the, the, the great uh, talent at the quarterback position. So next time that he does potentially get hurt, and I don't, I don't wish that he does, but if he does, he will be getting paid uh, while he's hurt. He'll get paid to, to go rehab. He'll get paid to go. Um, he'll be paid to not play if he's ever hurt. Let's put it that way, plain and simple. This guy, he he's been he's been through a lot. You know, talking with his injury history, and that and that's a question for a lot of these NFL uh, higher ups, the NFL executives, because the question now becomes how susceptible to injury is he now? Because it was let's let's start with the hip and then go back. From the hip injury, he had the ankle injury just a couple of weeks before, and he had surgery to repair it. And it was it was a thread, it was a it was a thread and rod uh, type injury, um, you know, thread and rod uh, repair to the injury. Uh, and the computer graphic, the way that they showed it, it was like it, it was the coolest thing ever. You know, med- medicine is so far advanced. This is 21st century technology that we're talking about, and and injuries that happened 20 years ago. Uh, or even probably 10 years ago, heck, five, you know, just go, go back to a certain date and say X many years ago, this is, this is how it would have happened, and this is the way that it's happening now, just with the medical technology that they have. With that, uh, that leading into my next point of just how careful and intricate that these, um, that these repairs on Tua's body and how Tua's body has been able to repair itself, they, they've all been – so it's been so critical to like him and his story. God has a plan. That's, that's something that he's preached to, by the way, uh, continuously. That God has a plan for his life and for what he's that what he is doing, um, and and the injuries that he's had, and and, and just all of that um, encapsulated into one. But Tua, Tua is awesome. For, for what it's worth, Tua is great, um, and just a, just an awesome football player, awesome guy, awesome heart, awesome just mindset about the whole process and what he's doing. And again, I'm sure that this decision 
was not easy. It was not uh, something that um, him, that he wanted to, to lead this way. I don't think that he wanted to lead this way. I think that if he was going to leave, he wanted to leave with, um, you know, with both feet on the ground and not so much walking with a crutch. Um, but yeah, I don't think that that's really how he envisioned it. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm cautious, but, I, but I'm optimistic about where, about where he's going to land. Um, it, the, you know, it was talk in the beginning of the season, the Miami Dolphins were going to want him, uh, we're going to want him anyway, and that they were going to tank for Tua. Uh, that, that was the, that was the quote. That was the, um, that was the dubbed uh, season for the Miami Dolphins. Of course, they, that didn't happen. There were, there were four other teams that decided to post up worse record, records than they did. And a roster that was left for dead found a way to win four games um, throughout the regular season, that being the Miami Dolphins. And Brian Flores, in my honest opinion, deserves uh, to be considered. I've said it again. I have probably said it off the air more times than I have on, but Brian Flores, the head coach for the Miami Dolphins, really deserves a little bit more credit than what we're giving uh, because he was able to take a, a beaten down roster that, um, you know, a lot of the star players ended up uh, getting traded or moving on from the organization um, and, and from, from the roster, from the team because of the organization. And yet still Brian Flores was able to um, squeeze out four wins in a team that was just left for dead. So that, that's why I consider Brian Flores possibly getting a coach of the year um, nod because of the, the ability, to, what he's been able to do. Um, and yet they may still get their man. It, it, it's a very stacked class if you look at it. And then there's one other note as well. Quarterback uh, Sam Ellinger from Texas, he has chosen to return to the Longhorns. So that's one less quarterback in this draft that can possibly get taken in the first or second rounds. Tua may end up still going to Miami, all things considered. If you look at it, the Bengals, they're most likely going to take Joe Burrow. Somewhere in there, the, the Lions, they they don't need um, – I don't think that they need a quarterback. If they do, they may end up taking Justin Herbert. The Giants, they don't need their – they don't need a quarterback. They, they've already got their guy. Chase Young is probably going to go there. Uh, they, need a, they need a spark on defense. Uh, have him join a, uh, join a Saquon Barkley on the other side. Man, that's going to be a, a, hopefully a team to, to set up for, for greatness. And if Tua stayed, not only would he not only would he have not competed with the likes of a Justin Herbert and and a Joe Burrow, but if he were to stay and return and go back uh, next year, and think about next year's draft. That's Trevor Lawrence's um, number one overall pick, possibly. Uh, and I just mentioned Sam Ellinger. Ellinger's going to be up, up near that list, uh, somewhere somewhere in the first two rounds. I, I I'm not sure where I would uh, rank him personally. We'll just have to wait and see what what the NFL needs, what the NFL wants uh, from from their different from the different players, and that, that's how these draft boards are written up. 
it's just by what what a team needs and what they're going to go out and get. Now, like I said, Miami is fourth. I I personally forget who the second pick uh, in the draft is. It may be the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not totally sure. But, um, yeah, another team to post up a 2-11 and record and, and to be the second overall pick. I don't think that they need a quarterback. They need somebody on defense. So, again, Tua may end up going to the Miami Dolphins after all. After all, this is said and done. Now, the greatest question will, will end up being when he gets there, how healthy is he going to remain? How, how is the staff going to uh, continue to rehab him? It is, and, and this is more of a, a rhetorical question because I don't have anybody in front of me to ask uh, if, if Richie uh, happens to listen to the show at this point. You know, if, if he were to leave, if Tua was to leave, would Alabama, um, would would Alabama still be part of the rehab process, being as intricate um, of an injury as this is, and the, that Alabama medical staff knowing him and his his medical records, being around him for for two, three, three about three years, and so this this was. Um, this is just a question that, that I have uh, providing, just putting out there, because it's, it's a very prudent question that he rehab with, with the Alabama team, or does he, like, if he, if he rehabs with an Alabama, or where does he go? Where, like, where does he go from here um, in regards to his rehabbing? And we, I think we all know that answer, uh, to, to be frank and be honest with it. Um, but man, this is, he's, this is an all-star talent, an all-star kid who just has happened to have a snag, uh, of luck of injuries that it's just other, like it's otherworldly, it feels like. And again, this is, this is a very, very rare air, very rare circumstance that, that we're talking about Tua here. Because you're talking about a guy who was a backup, came in to replace Jalen Hurts. And after he replaced Jalen, he fought for the starting job, of course, after winning a national championship, of course, uh, in overtime, I think, on a second and 26 play. And just like that, it seems to end very abruptly. Yeah, I get it, the the uh, injury in the 2018 um, SEC championship going against Georgia again, and he hurt that ankle. And then it all seemed to come full circle. Jalen Hurts still on the still on that team, able to uh, pull a victory out, and um, you know secure the SEC championship for Alabama once again. For them to just you know moving forward. And then, of course, we know the history that happened after that. Jalen Hurts transfers to Oklahoma, plays with Link, uh, uh, plays under a Lincoln Riley system, uh, plays with Lincoln Riley's team, and just the success that we hear that Jalen Hurts had, and you know Tua being Tua, such a great a great player at the quarterback position, and then he gets hurt like that. 
like again, again, a lot of people were saying that this just ended abruptly. It ended without any warning, without any, just without any recourse. And the other option were, if if there were another option, it was going to be that he was going to play once again uh, for the University of Alabama to um, forego the NFL draft and play his senior season. But I personally believe he made the right choice because, again, if he if he is to get hurt again next time, he's going to be paid. Just saying that if he gets hurt, it's next year. If he gets hurt next year, next season playing football, whether it is at Alabama or it is at a um, at an NFL team like Miami or Detroit, maybe if Detroit needs him, I don't know. But at least he would be getting guaranteed dollars while he is nursing an injury. And to say that he were to stay at Alabama and, and go back to play and he gets hurt again, then we're all going to be looking at, at his injury history and just asking, like, how how do you take him over somebody else that has no injury history and is just as good, if not maybe a little better in our eyes. That that just that's a that's a that's a real question. That's a prudent question. And it's because of the unique the uniqueness of this injury and the uniqueness of the talent that is Tua Tagovailoa. It is it's it's remarkable the run he's gone on, but now now it's his time to move on to the NFL draft. And you know, I also mentioned the other uh, the wide receivers, um, Devontae Smith. Uh, he is returning for his 2020 season, um, and Henry Ruggs the third. He's declared for the NFL draft. Um, and Judy also recently announcing. So you you got a lot of these players on an Alabama team that have played uh, that have played uh, alongside two that have played uh, for uh, Coach Saban. Uh, now you know Devontae Smith. He he made his announcement not long after Tua confirmed he was going to enter the draft. Um, Mel Kiper has Devontae Smith ranked twenty third overall and a number six wide receiver in the draft. And Smith wrote on his Instagram, you know, there's there's a lot I have left to accomplish as a player and as a student, and I feel that my time is not up at Alabama. He, he wrote on this Instagram. Uh, I have unfinished business to take care of, and the only way to do that is to stay one more year. And now we, we know about uh, Devontae Smith. He led Alabama uh, in both receiving yards um, and receiving touchdowns, receiving yards 1,256 with 14 touchdowns, ranking second behind Jerry Judy in receptions at 77. And we all know about Judy. He recently entered the NFL draft. Now, Ruggs, Henry Ruggs is a junior from Montgomery. He was considered to be one of the fastest players in college football this season. He caught 40 passes for 746 yards. Um, now, 
Mel Kuyper again has Ruggs listed at the, as 13th best draft eligible player and the fourth highest rated receiver. And going back on Devontae Smith, he earned AP first team all SEC honors uh, this past year and was second team selection by the league's coaches. He has 118 receptions from 2,109 yards and 23 touchdowns in his first three seasons. He's from Louisiana, and he caught the game-winning touchdown from Tagovailoa to beat Georgia in the national championship game as a true freshman. So thinking about the connection there and what that means for him and, you know, moving forward. I think all around, personally, this was the best decision that Tua, that Tua could make. Because in a way, yes, he's still a kid, but he's also an athlete, and he's making the, the decision that's going to be best for him and for his family. And if he were to get hurt again, just to, I'm, I'm thinking about it that way. If, and that's, like, that's a huge if. If he, if he were to get hurt again, what would that look like? What would that look like for him? Just like again, it, it's you, you do you do this all this whole speculation thing and, and whatnot. You can you can draw up these scenarios, but the scenario the biggest one is this: that he made a decision to think what is best for him, what is best for his family, what is best for his health moving forward, and it's. And I, and I try to refrain from saying it. That's why I haven't said it this way. But but going after the money, it's not all it's not all about the money. I I, I know that, and I I personally believe that it's not about the money. But again, it is it is important to know and to recognize that this is the decision he is making because of his health and the concerns that a lot of people have. I'm sure concern is that he himself has. You know, I just hope and pray that uh, me, like me personally, I just hope and pray that this doesn't affect him uh, mentally. Because I, I can, I can understand the the way that the, the injuries work out, and I don't understand from personal experience. I want to be very clear about that. But I understand how you know rehabbing goes. And you're away from your teammates. You're away from the the football life that you have while they are while they are out doing all of these things. And and while you're doing that, um, so it's 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 very like very intricately woven uh, in, into this process and and the the way that he did it. Now, Mal Kiper again, he has. Compared to a, he's reminiscent of of a left-handed Drew Brees. The way he's able to sling it, the way he's able to get the ball out of his hands quickly to get into the receiver's hands right there. You blink and boom, it's gone. A generational talent with a flair for the dramatic. He leaves behind an unrivaled legacy that began in the most unimaginable way coming off the bench as a true freshman and leading his team to a come-from-behind win over Georgia for the national championship two seasons ago. 
And it was that game-winning touchdown in overtime that set off a career of jaw-dropping moments. And while there is no doubt this farewell stings for Crimson Tide fans, it's not one that is either sudden or unexpected. Even considering the long recovery from major hip surgery that awaits him, Tagovailoa is projected to be a top-10 pick. Those are the words of uh, Alex Scarborough from ESPN. Wrote this uh, very amazing piece talking about Tua and what's next for him and this Alabama team. It raises the new questions for Alabama because it is the it is another quarterback battle. It's going to be a three-way battle for who's going to get the starting job. It's going to be very, it's going to be incredibly telling. Um, up and coming, that is for sure. And again, I just wanted to make it clear that I I was never an athlete. I was never the the competitive type in in high school or in college. I was a marching man, but that's about it. But I, I in this in this journey that that I am taking and becoming a part of this uh, um, this this sports. Um, the sports culture and the sports family here at Southern Sports Central, I am becoming more aware uh, of what it means, you know, being an athlete, a high, a high school and college athlete and being more appreciative of it and being more aware of it as well. You know, I think I think the awareness is just as important uh, as as covering the sport itself. Of course, I can I can punch numbers. Um, and and that's what I do. That's what I that's what I love to do. And I can continue to, you know, look at these numbers and compare and say, oh, well, if this happens, then this will happen, or or you know, comparing these things. But my hard part says that Tua is going to have great success, and, and it's impossible not to love him as, as a human being, as as a uh, as a man, as a uh, fellow believer that his faith is what drives him, and I think that that's the that's the deepest rooted thing that nothing can nothing can break that from him. No, nobody can take that from him. Um, now, what this means for the Crimson Tide again, it's going to be a, a quarterback battle for who's going to get the starting job next year because you don't you don't have a Jalen Hurts and you don't have a Tua, you have a Mac Jones. He's one and three in his uh, or uh, three and one in his career. I'm sorry, I misspoke. He is three and one in his career as a starter, and um, just his ability to control the ball, I, I think, was great. The way he handled Michigan, and it was a team effort, nonetheless, in the Citrus Bowl. But it, it is going to be very telling moving forward, and Saban has a decision to make coaching staff at Alabama has a decision to make and who is going to uh, fill that role, to, to fill that void, if you will. We're going to take a quick time out here. Time is 6.59. And if you want to call into the show and be our guest, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. Again, that number to call, 323-784-9681. Uh, again, a lot still to get into, a lot to um, still dissect. You'll do all of that at the 
flip side of the hour. Hour number two on Southern Sports Central coming your way. You're listening on Blog Talk Radio. We will be right back. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tents. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the Tent Farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. And welcome back into Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio, part of the Blog Talk Radio family. Hour number one is done. Hour number two coming straight to you right now. My name is Will Porter, and as uh, Richie Altman would say, that I'm the guy that pushes the buttons, answers the phones, making sure that everything is running smoothly here and that we continue to do. Uh, he's, he's taking a quick hiatus. And hopefully he will join us here in this uh, in the second hour of the show, uh, as he did yesterday, uh, after handing off the reins to me for the seven o'clock hour. Again, some changes that we're we're going through and trying to work through, um, and still going to give you a great uh, great quality show uh, to talk about and, and things to dive into. Um, you know, unfortunately, n- nothing, n- no real big high school news to talk about, and so uh, to fill the time, it is. It is that time uh, playoff football in in the NFL, and and some things to dive into in the topics. Um, before we dive into those, I do want to uh, take a quick moment and to thank uh, a handful of our sponsors. And of course, you heard one uh, ad commercial from the Tent Farm. You can, um, you know, Jonathan Farmer always doing a great job there, continuing to to work and to do um, and to continue that business, uh, keeping you safe from the UV rays of the uh, Charleston heat. Not so much right now. It is January after all, but uh, you'll be needing that in about uh, five, four, three months, maybe. I don't know. Uh, that, that's completely up to you. But thanks to thanks to the boys over there at the tent farm. I also want to give a huge thank you to uh, Garen's Pharmacy there in, in town in Somerville uh, for sponsoring the studio. Uh, Mass Burgers, uh, you know, home of the best burgers in town. Man, um, yeah, gosh, giving giving us a uh, giving us a, a sponsor for the phone lines. Uh, some also some notable names: uh, Fan Zone over there in North Charleston, and Simmons Barbershop. I think that's just an honorable mention. Uh, but any anyways, uh, so thankful for our sponsors. We could not do do what we do uh, without them. So, without further ado. I do want to push into our number two and the topic of conversation that surrounds who else? The Dallas Cowboys. 
News broke yesterday. They finally found their man, and their man is the former head coach of the Green Bay Packers. They are going to hire Mike McCarthy as their new head coach and Mike Nolan as the new defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, according to a source. He will be the ninth head coach in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. McCarthy um, McCarthy is also going to be um, in contract with the Cowboys for five years. And this is according to uh, that same source. And the linebackers coach, Mike Nolan, the uh, linebackers coach from the New Orleans Saints, he will be the Cowboys' defensive coordinator under McCarthy, uh, confirming by a report by the NFL Network. McCarthy was the defensive coordinator on Nolan's San Francisco 49ers staff in 2005 before being hired by the Green Bay Packers as head coach in 2006. Now, Nolan is 60 years old. He has served as defensive coordinator for several NFL teams, most recently the Atlanta Falcons from 2012 to 2014. McCarthy stayed at home, at the home of the Cowboys owner, general manager, Jerry Jones, on Saturday night, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. And the source said, once you stay at Jerry's house, he doesn't lose his guy. Now, McCarthy, as we all know, will replace Jason Garrett. He went 85 and 67 as Dallas head coach from 2010 to 2019 with the team hoping that McCarthy can do for the Cowboys what he did for another storied franchise. What is that? Win the Super Bowl. Is win the Super Bowl. Now in February 2011, McCarthy led the Packers to a Super Bowl victory, Super Bowl 45 against the Pittsburgh Steelers at AT AT&T Stadium. His new home with the Cowboys. Kind of ironic, isn't it? Now McCarthy compiled a 125-77-2 record with the Packers. He made the playoffs nine times uh, in his 13 seasons there. In addition to the Super Bowl season, the Packers made it to the NFC Championship game twice, but his tenure ended sourly. He missed the playoffs in 2017, um, and uh, the Packers missed it again in 2018, but he got fired uh, before he can see the end of the season, uh, 12 games into uh, the season, four more to go. And that's when McCarthy gets released. Now, he spent last season going through a study of trends across the league while also planning for his next job. He interviewed for the New York Jets' vacancy into the, after the 2018 season, um, and he turned down the chance to speak with Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Arizona Cardinals, or anybody for that matter, over there. Now, before he interviewed with the Cowboys over the weekend, he spoke with first the Carolina Panthers, next the Cleveland Browns, and then third and lastly the New York Giants regarding all of their vacancies. But the approach by Jones and his son Stephen, the Cowboys' executive vice president, it was far different from the last full-scale coaching search they had in 2007 after Bill Parcells' retirement. And they interviewed 10 coaches before settling on Wade Phillips, who was hired after Garrett was on board as offensive coordinator. Now, this time, the Cowboys interviewed just Marvin Lewis and McCarthy before making their decision. And McCarthy's arrival were bringing an entirely new offense to the Cowboys after running mostly a Garrett scheme since 2007, even though the team has had three different play callers since 2013, Bill Callahan, Scott Linehan, and Kellen Moore. Now, Moore, he was the offensive line coach 
um, Mark Colombo, more quarterbacks coach, um, more. Oh, no, here it is. Sorry, I'm misspeaking this morning. It's still very uh, getting bright and early. Time is 7.07. Um, you have Kellen Moore, the offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, quarterbacks coach, John Kitna, and receivers coach, uh, Sanjay Lau, are under contract. Now, most of the defensive staff, including coordinator Rod Martinelli, Marinelli, and passing game coordinator Chris Richard, have expiring contracts. Now, do I think that this is the right hire? Yes and no. I say yes because this makes the most sense. And Mike McCarthy being looking looking purely at resume, that this is the guy that you want. This is the guy that you need. And for him to, you know, come into this franchise, this storied franchise, another storied franchise, because remember, he was the head coach for Green Bay for several years and bringing a lot of new and exciting things. And, you know, even despite, even despite how it ended, and I'm going to give, I'm going to give a pass on that because how, how it ended, it was just sour. And I, um, I do personally believe that it could have been handled differently. But this hire by the Dallas Cowboys hiring Mike McCarthy is is good for two reasons. One is that this is an experienced head coach. He has head coaching experience in the NFL. You know, something that Jerry Jones highlighted that he didn't want was just some uh, some college coach or somebody coming in that, that could – very well mess up or having to learn as you go. And he didn't want that. And, and Marvin Lewis is Marvin Lewis is a great coach. Um, but I think that it was just the resume and how it, how it all worked out. Um, and second, that I think that Mike McCarthy has, has learned. I, I want to say that he has evolved into um, a coach that, you know, is willing to embrace embracing change in a system where it's something like it, it's the, the schemes are different or the looks are different. And he had a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers that was just this all around, um, gosh, a great talent to have in your in your back pocket. And that was that was an offensive weapon. Aaron Rodgers was his own offensive weapon, and. Uh, Mike McCarthy was good at handling him until about the 2017-2018 season. They missed the playoffs then, and then the 2018 season is when he finally gets let go, and it and it came to a bitter end. And in some ways, his reputation was tarnished because of, of hearsay and the articles that came out because of how how ineffective of a coach that he was, or. Um, you know, just all, all of these things, and and this was it, it was kind of media led. No, it wasn't kind of. It was really overall media led. It was just speculation that this is how Aaron Rodgers felt about him, and uh, you know, tie all of that in together, and it's it, it's it's another story. It's another storyline piece. Also, this this goes without saying the. Um, the story or the little piece of the story that Mike McCarthy stayed over at 
um, at Jerry Jones's house. <laughs> the joke yesterday was uh, um, on a lot of the outlets was that uh, they're 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 having sleepovers over there at, at Dallas, so you know it's getting serious. They're having sleepovers over at Jerry's house. And the source said once once uh, somebody stays over at Jerry's, he gets his man. He never he doesn't lose his man. He doesn't lose his guy. Mike McCarthy, I'm guessing, was that guy. And I I personally think that it it makes the most sense. On the downside is kind of all the things that I mentioned. The reason that he was ousted by the Green Bay Packers was because he was outdated. It was because that he he wasn't an Andy Reid or a Sean Payton or um, a Pete Carroll who or even a Bill Belichick. Heck, Bill Belichick. Um, how can I forget him? These coaches who, yes, they're older enough in age, they're not the Sean McVeighs um, of the world. Or, or the Kyle Shanahan's uh, of the world, and they are they are older coaches who have experience in the NFL long enough, long standing that they have been willing to change schemes, and that they have been willing to change the looks of their offense and the way that they coach. That's been kind of the the norm now. That's been the trend. Um, I, I think of I think of Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh with the Baltimore Ravens, and what he's been able to do. And and something that he's been able to do, you know, time and time again, is you know be there uh, in in big moments and in, and in those uh, crucial crucial key pieces of, of his game, and his game planning, and he's kind of left the left the reins to the offensive play calling to the offensive coordinator who's able to, you know, build up an offense around Lamar Jackson and the talents that he possesses. Again, this is just purely from a coaching standpoint that I, I think that it is, it is a, it is a good hire, but it's, it, it's like, eh. and that's the way, that's the way that I'm feeling about it. I'm opti- I'm cautiously optimistic again. Don't think that I don't think that I didn't want this hire to happen because just the, I'm, I'm thinking I'm just thinking about how the Dallas Cowboys scheme works and the talent that they have surrounding them and that it's, it's a, I'm guessing that it's going to be old and traditional that you have you have a, a running back in Ezekiel Elliott who he just got paid big money this past this past year in the preseason and then you have Dak Prescott who is, I think this is his final year uh, under contract, if not at his next year. Amari Cooper's um, going to be an unrestricted free agent after um, after the said date. A lot of things are going to be moving around. The biggest thing for me is how much money that they're going to have to fluctuate and move around because how how much are they going to, one, spend in the offseason, and two, going to spend to retain their players because not only that, but you have a five-year contract with a Super Bowl winning coach who's probably going to get paid more than Jason Garrett did either this past season or in the seasons before. I don't know if, if the, the quarter or if the, um, the contracts are set up for head coaches to, um, 
kind of tack on a price every year. It's like, you know, a million this year, two million next year, three million the year after, and by the end of a five year contract, you get paid, you've gotten paid, um, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, about $15 million. Um, but you see the last 5 million um, in the last year of your contract. And this is, this is a five year investment that you have on, um, on this coach. And, and I don't know, I don't know the price details. I don't know about the price details about Mike McCarthy and what he's, um, what he's done. Uh, as, as far as that, or as far as monies are concerned, but this is—it brings up an interesting point because it is so much, um, because it is very much so the. <laughs> oh gosh, it, it's very much so the the contracts and 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 the monies and what you're going to have to do, like how, how is what what are the what is the players. What what is that going to look like? Because I I would imagine that there are, there are several more free agents that are going to be a part of your team coming up soon, and and it's it's important to note that it is it is very important to note that because if you are able to bring back the players that you had, if you are able to bring back. And just uh, uh, as as basketball players would say, run it back. If you if you could do that, then then yeah, you have somewhat of an advantage. But how, like, I don't think I don't think that the Cowboys are going to be able to do that because it, it was already it was said that Dak is searching to be a thirty million dollar a year or a forty million dollar a year quarterback. And I I think as as much as I I'm not going to say hate. But dislike, I have a distaste for the Dallas Cowboys. As much as I have a strong distaste for the Cowboys, I actually like Dak Prescott. I, I, I saw his time at Mississippi State, and there was a lot of speculation about. Um, I think his former coach, Dan, I, I don't, I'm not sure if it was Dan Mullen or who it was, that was his former coach at, um, at Mississippi State when he was there. But he, he is a guy. He's reliable. Dak Prescott is reliable, and the question was, okay, is is the the problem the head coach or the quarterback? We got our answer this year. I, I I'm I'm just trying to search for a scenario in my head where the Cowboys are going to be successful in in retaining all of these contracts and retaining the people that they need to retain, and to just to run it back again. Because it is it, it is such a it's such an interesting um, topic of discussion the whole hiring of Mike McCarthy and how how it happened. Can can we also mention the fact that Jason Garrett was not officially fired until yesterday or or on on Sunday, and then the news comes out yesterday that Mike McCarthy was uh, was the head coach is going to be the new head coach. Man, it's wow. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come up with the proper metaphor. That's like you're, you're date, you're dating this girl, and then all the while you, you're wanting to break it off with her, but you don't know how to yet, and so you're already going to see other people. But then by the time you go and see other people, you finally find, you finally found the one, and then, um, the, the girlfriend that you're going to eventually break up with, she comes back and is like, no, please give me another chance, please. 
and then you dump her again, and then uh, the next day you're you're posting pictures with with your new girl on Instagram. That that's kind of how it feels. That's kind of how it looks for the Dallas Cowboys right now. And and of course you can you can argue with me on this. And just just the perspective and and just the way that it looks. Now the question will become. Can Jerry keep his hand out of the cookie jar? I mean, that's a, it's as simple as that. Who is going to um, – is he going to give – is he willingly going to hand the reins over to a player or, or to a coach and saying, here, you make the moves, you make the decisions, and I'll just sit back and watch the success? I, I personally believe that Jerry cannot do that for the life of him. I, and as much as he says that he is out of, uh, out of football operations, sometimes he just can't help himself. And it's like you, you, put the, you put the cookie on top of uh, – you put the cookie jar up on, top, on the top shelf and you uh, say, don't, don't go up there and get it, Jerry. Don't go up there and get him. No, don't do it. Like I put it up there for a reason. It's my cookie jar. You let me handle it. You may have been the one to buy the cookies, but it's Jerry's cookie jar. It's kind of, kind of how I'm viewing that. <laughs> you know, but nonetheless, I, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a great hire. Um, it will just have to see. I'm cautiously optimistic. Again, I, I don't want to jump in and say, uh, and jump the Cowboys bandwagon either. Yeah, either you hate us or you hate us. I need to rephrase that. Either you. Uh, either you hate us because you ain't us. There it is. That's the way that should be said. No, but you know that goes that goes without saying. Um, just the, the quality of uh, of talent that is there at Dallas, and the coaches that they have, and the um, and just the, the prestige. The last time that the Dallas Cowboys won a championship, I was the I was not even born yet, and. And kind of just the, the way that that's left a distaste in my mouth for Dallas Cowboys fans, is, and, and just the organization as a whole is that they that they walk around and act like they won yesterday, like they they won a championship yesterday. Well, yeah, it was yesterday, twenty five years ago, plus. The last time that they won a, the last time that they won a Super Bowl championship, was back when Troy Aikman was at the helm, when uh, Jimmy Johnson was the head coach when Jerry Jones was not as involved as he that he was not as involved as he has been and that to me that to me is very telling and and I get it you know people age and the age you know the age thing is different um and the era of football is different than than it was 25 years ago you're right the fundamentals have always been the same that you let a coach do do his job. You listen to the coach and what he needs. And if if there's something that you want, you know, talk it over with the coach. And if if the coach says no, that's not what we need right now, then be like, okay. Well, then can can we be able to go after him next season, or can we be able to go after him at at some point in the future? Because sometimes, like most of the time, the coach always knows what the, what the team needs and what the team um, what the team needs in order to be successful. 
And I think I, I firmly believe that Jerry Jones is is just looking out for the team that he owns. And that he's just he's wanting to make his Cowboys relevant again and in the NFC East, in the NFC uh, playoff picture, and in the Super Bowl. He wants to see them in the Super Bowl. So is that the ceiling for the Dallas Cowboys this upcoming season? I, I think so. Either that or, or an NFC divisional round or an NFC championship game. Because Cowboys hadn't been to one since the 90s or probably the early 2000s. It's been a long time since the Dallas Cowboys have made it to a divisional round uh, or past a divisional round playoff game and a divisional round uh, playoff opponent. So it, it's, a, it's a lot, again, to, to dissect here, a lot to look, look for, uh, to look forward to. So I'm going to end on this and to, to clear up any confusion. I, I like the hype. I like Mike McCarthy, and I, I myself being a Green Bay Packers fan, I uh, I know the way that it ended wasn't the the best. Uh, the the way that it ended, I did not um, particularly like. That's okay. Um, I I forgive him. I I certainly believe that most uh, Packers fans. Uh, forgive him uh, just because the the way that it ended and it had to um i think it had to end that way and for for aaron Rodgers to you know finally i guess open back up again in the offense that uh that they produce so it, it's a good hire i'm just i'm very cautiously optimistic about this hire and what it means for the Dallas Cowboys as far as are they going to find success? Because um, the, the question was for the past two years, it turned from is it the quarterback to is it the coach? And we found out it's the coach. Because the quarterback, like he, he had all these weapons around him. It was like, okay, Dak, now you've got to step up and be able to produce. You've got you to elevate your game one way or another. And he did. And this past season, he, he showed it. He was one of the best um, he was one of the best passers in, in the league um, up to week 16, week 17. And he, like, he was effective in, in his throws, and he was, just, he was racking up stats. <laughs> A guy like me would absolutely love to, di- to dive into those numbers. But he, he did something, I, I believe, that think any any lesser quarterback wouldn't have been able to do and Dak Prescott was able to take a team on his shoulders and and to you know try to will them into you know making plays into um and and he was a key factor in winning some of those games but he's he's been able to rack up so many yards in a game and uh yards per play you know Dak Dak is that dude Dak is Dak is a starting caliber quarterback but Jerry Jones, um, he should have known Jason Garrett was not a, a starting uh, a head coaching job. And so that is where I stand. I am cautiously optimistic about the Mike McCarthy hiring. We'll just have to see what what happens, how it plays out. 
and it's and it's all it's all going to be very telling again very telling because this this next year it's expected to be uh, a a lot more uh hopefully at least a lot more talent loaded a lot more um tougher to get past opponents than it was this year. And hopefully the NFC East provides a lot more competition than what we have seen in, in the past. You know, there's a, there's a new head coach in Washington and Ron Rivera, the New York Giants are still looking for their next uh, head coach, their new head coach. You know, what is it going to look like? Is it possible that Josh McDaniels goes to New York? I, I, I kind of like the sound of that. You, you know, you have a you have a running back in Saquon Barkley and a, and an up and coming uh, quarterback in Daniel Jones who shows promise in a very prestiged organization. Then again, Josh McDaniels being the the uh, offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, um, that's going to be. That's going to be an interesting uh, conversation. If I don't know if he leaves or whatever he does. So, with that being said, I'm going to table this conversation for later. Uh, any any more news that comes out, we will be sure to um, pass it along to you, the listener, and just continue to uh, follow us. Follow us on social media at So Sports Central. Uh, you follow us on that's on that's our Twitter handle. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. Uh, give us a like, a thumbs up, uh, and uh, you know, let us know what you think of the show. If you want to let us know what you you think of the show right now, uh, you can be our guest and call in. The number to call in is three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. We're going to take a quick timeout here with about thirty minutes left in the show. Next up, the Patriots. And the 31 events that led to the Patriots' shocking playoff exit. And plus, possibly what's next for Tom Brady and his future. Going to keep rolling into hour number two next, right here on Southern Sports Central. Keep it locked in. Taking a quick timeout.
Whatever you got on, baby, stay in it. You ain't got to leave the house to have a good time. I'm going to bring a good time home to you. We'll have a house party. We don't need nobody. Turn your TV off. Break that boom box out. We'll wake up all the neighbors till the whole block hates us. And the cops show up and try to shut us down. If you're going to be a homebody, we're going to have a house party. If you want to be a homebody. And welcome back in to Southern Sports Central. If you're just joining us, and this is a great conversation, or at least with myself, anyways. <laughs> if you want to call in and be a part of the show, the number to call in, 323-784-9681. Uh, real quick, just also want to give a, a huge shout-out to um, the fan zone once again uh, with their sports memorabilia. So much that they have to have uh, not one, but uh, two spaces, uh, two two spaces in the lot over there. Uh, at North Charleston over uh, close to International uh, Boulevard, uh, right there close to the Coliseum, which uh, they, they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of NFL, a lot of um, MLB, NBA, and uh, NCAA memorabilia, all that you can want and more uh, for for the sports fan in your life, including yourself if you are. So go go be sure to check those boys out, or you can check them out on uh, www.thefanzone.com and be able to uh, check out their whole selection there of um, items and uh, that's uh, things that are posted uh, daily, weekly, and keeping you up to date on what they have. And if you're looking for something specific, well, then just stop by or um, you give them a call, and they'll be sure to uh, uh, point you in the right direction. That is uh, the fan zone in North Charleston. So a huge thank you to them. Now, without further ado, I do want to transition uh, into this last topic of, of conversation for the last half hour of the show, uh, talking about Tom Brady. And uh, that, was the, that was the biggest topic yesterday uh, for, uh, for it, w- it was going into the 10 o'clock hour on first take uh, on ESPN, but then uh, the, the news broke about Dallas Cowboys hiring Mike McCarthy, and then all of that, uh, that all of that conversation ensued for the next uh, close to hour and a half. But now I'm going to get around to talking about Tom Brady and and kind of kind of what's next for him. Um, you know, the they're the NFL experts uh, predicting his future and and the Patriots' future uh, for that matter as well. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of things to point to. Uh, Jer- Jeremy Fowler is a national NFL writer for ESPN, and the question that was presented to these guys are: uh, Let's give Tom Brady some advice. You know, what should he do this off season? And this is what Jeremy Fowler said. He said, uh, "Take the family on a lengthy beach vacation, then do what six Super Bowls over 20 years earned you: the right to do whatever you want." Brady Brady can opt out for a new environment or a familiar one, and he can't go wrong either way. Uh, Dan Graziano is another national NFL writer. He said, re-sign with the Patriots. Money is great, and so are new challenges, but a legacy like the one Brady has built in New England is priceless. I wouldn't go anywhere else if I were him. 
A senior writer from the Undefeated, Jason Reed, says Brady has earned the right to do whatever he wants to do with those six Super Bowl titles. His legacy is set. Regardless of whether he stays or leaves, the decision will be correct. Um, Mike Rice is, is a Patriots reporter, and his is kind of lengthy. Uh, more more lengthy than most of the ones. His is about you know, five or six lines on this article, but it says one of the things that stands out uh, from talking with Brady is the importance of family. So it starts with having a huddle with wife Giselle and children Jack, Benjamin, and Vivian to see what is best for not only Brady's football career but the family too. If all things are equal in that area, I view returning to New England as the best option. And And everybody's kind of saying the same thing. Um, you know, uh, whatever he chooses to do, he's earned that right. And some own opinion is that, you know, returning to New England is the most sensible option uh, for for another run with the only team for which he has ever played the game of football. Um, Kevin uh, Seifert sums it up the best. He says, I prefer to lecture the greatest player in NFL history on what not to do. Don't listen to any external voices. They all have agendas. Don't worry about your legacy. It's unalterable. Don't give in to pride. You've played at a high level in your 40s. Nothing left to prove. Don't worry about upsetting people. You've done enough to make them happy. Now, assuming that the Patriots want Brady back, how should the structure, how should they structure their contract offer to him. Now Fowler goes back and saying, you know, New Orleans' approach with Drew Brees has been effective. Go two years for fifty million and reassess every other year. Now, the Patriots could guarantee more than half of it, at least fifteen million in signing bonus money, and can restructure after a year as they focus on getting younger at several positions. You know, Dan Graziano said, I'm with Fowler on this one. Brees has set the template and gone year to year for a while now. No reason for either side not to continue to keep options open. Um, I think everybody's kind of on the same page with this, uh, how Breeze's contract structure every two years and they reassess it after. Um, You know, Rice, Mike Rice says, why not three years? Brady says he wants to play until he's 45, and that would put an end to any speculation about his future, allowing him to retire a Patriot. He's earned that. And then Mr. Yates, uh, Field Yates, says that my expectation is that any deal he signs with New England would be for one year and will once again include multiple void years beyond 2020 so that the signing bonus can prorate over them. A lot of, a lot of real football talk talking about that and the contract structure, what they should offer him if, if they were to offer him something. Now, if Brady stays, what does it mean the Patriots' offense needs and how could the team get it? Uh, you know, a capable tight end and more weapons on the outside. You know, the draft is deep at wide receivers, so Belichick can ask Buddy Nick Haven which prolific wideout he should take with the 23rd overall pick. And in March, he can throw a cost-effective three-year deal at Eric Ebron in free agency. Uh, Something else, too, to note, A.J. Green is a free agent. Amari Cooper might be. Is it worth calling the Browns once they hire some people to see where they are on Odell Beckham Jr.? It's no doubt that Brady needs receivers, and it would help to have a great one on the outside. Either one of those, or three. As a matter of fact, it would be awesome if you get all three. 
um, and, it, and it's continuously be, being the, the point that it's on the outside that they you need position you need to position players the wide receivers the tight end and more speed. Patriots had one of the least threatening offenses this season, as reflected by a top two receiver set with Julian Edelman and Muhammad Sanu. Um, the draft where they have a solid haul of picks can help. And again, a more dynamic option at tight end. The middle of the field passing game was not nearly as lethal this season as it has been in years past. And finding a player who can occupy that space is essential. And the draft will present some options. And if Brady leaves, what's the quarterback move they should make this offseason? Off Somebody says uh, Jared Stidham. He's a fourth-round pick in the 2019 draft. He's in, intriguing, but he needs competition. And Teddy Bridgewater's going to become a free agent. He's a viable option. And he's smart, experienced, and affordable and gives New England time to develop Stidham as it reinvents itself. Another option, talk Andrew Luck out of retirement, sign Bridgewater. Or how about this one, call the Falcons and see if their cap situation makes them open to at least talking about Matt Ryan. It makes sense to invest in someone with some years still to give so as not to be in this position again anytime soon. And it really totally depends on Belichick's long-term thinking because this is, after all, his team and his decisions uh, to make. Another option somebody mentioned uh, to throw out there, pair Stitham with a veteran such as Phillip Rivers. I hope would be that Stitham wins the job after not missing a practice in his rookie season and showing promise uh, behind the scenes. And, and it's really difficult to, to look at all of this. It's difficult to imagine the Patriots moving on. Now, assuming they don't think Brady has passed point of no return from a physical standpoint, there's, is there really anyone they can acquire who gives them a better chance to win? Brady looked better this season than Rivers. If they can't keep Brady from leaving, I'd vote to acquire Josh Rosen and spend a season experimenting with options. Again, that's just a lot of a lot of prudent points to to make to mark and to, and to uh, kind of developing your players. And making a decision now. Now this is this is something interesting to mention as well. How did the Patriots end up getting here, and 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 taking a loss to um, to end their season uh, to the Titans? Well, let's start all the way back to two thousand and nine, back in May. Rob Gronkowski, he's a nineteen-year-old. Um, coming off an all-Pac-10 sophomore season with the Arizona Wildcats. He injures his back during the offseason while lifting weights. He ruptured a disc in his back and eventually missed the entire 2009 season after undergoing surgery. And the missing season and concerns about his back are likely what led him to drop to the second round of the 2010 draft, and it's where the Patriots moved up two spots to select the future Hall of Famer with the 42nd pick. And Gronk would have a brilliant career, but the back injury continued to pop up in the years to come and almost certainly helped him uh, help lead to him retiring at the age of 30. And in 2013, he, he undergoes surgery on his back after breaking his forearm in January and undergoing, again, multiple surgeries. He also goes 
um, to repair a fractured vertebrae in his back. And the star tight end doesn't make his debut until week seven, and he tears his ACL and MCL on a hit by TJ Ward in December. Now, in 2015, they they were blown out by um, the Colts were blown out by the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, and report to the NFL that several of the balls used um, during the game were under uh, underinflated. And this was nearly eight years after the Spygate case, and we all remember this uh, the whole the whole aura of this uh, Deflate Gate. Then in April 30th of the same year, the Giants used their first-round pick on Eric Flowers, desperately needing a left tackle to replace struggling second-rounder Will Beattie. Uh, the Giants general manager, Jerry Reese, goes after a, a project using the ninth overall selection on Miami tackle Flowers. He proceeded to disappoint and repeatedly embarrass the organization uh, before getting released in 2018. And then Flowers' failure would would prod the Giants to go after a left tackle a few years from now. And in May 11th, the NFL meets out its Deflategate punishment. All of that, all of the all of the punishment there. Um, and then Nate Soldier signs a two-year, $20 million extension on September 9th of the same year. And that's the second left tackle of Brady's career. Um, he signed a team-friendly extension as he entered the fifth-year option of his rookie deal. Contract kept Soldier in a Patriots uniform through the 2017 season, but it crucially prevented the Patriots from franchising their left tackle before free agency in 2018. That's giving him a two-year, $20 million contract extension. On to 2016, the Patriots trade Chandler Jones to the Cardinals for guard Jonathan Cooper and the 61st overall pick. And with their pick, they traded up and grabbed Von Bell. And uh, they turned the third and fourth round picks they got from New Orleans in that draft to Joe Sunley and Malcolm Mitchell. On November 13th, Earl Thomas hits Rob Gronkowski and uh, I think another another injury. Gronk's injury became the bigger story in that initially he missed one game uh, with a with a perforated lung. And when he came back for a game with the Jets, he, he left with a back injury and never returned. Gronkowski suffered another disc injury and missed the remainder of the 2016 season, raising more concerns about his long-term future. In 2017, Belichick has his worst draft with the Patriots. Uh, the Pats were already down their first-round pick after trading for Brandon Cooks. It's difficult to find a draft in which Belichick found less than what he got uh, than what he got the Pats in 2017. Uh, picking last after winning the Super Bowl, he traded the 64th pick to the Panthers for the 72nd pick and defensive end Coney Ely, who was cut during training camp. The Saints and Panthers used the two picks they got from the Pats on Ryan Ramsick and Taylor Mort- Martin, two of the top young right tackles in football. And Belichick traded again, down again with the Titans, who drafted Taewon uh, Taylor, and then used Tennessee selection on defensive end Derek Rivers. He played 78 defensive snaps over three seasons with the Pats. And two picks later, Belichick traded up with the Lions to draft tackle Antonio Garza, who missed all of his rookie season with blood clots in his lungs before being cut without ever playing in the NFL. And Detroit used the third-round pick, 
the Pats traded away on a receiver who would have helped this season, Kenny Galladay. On September 7th, Malcolm Mitchell goes on the injured reserve, one of the many Georgia players Belichick has drafted in recent years. Um, He caught 32 passes for 401 yards and four touchdowns. Um, The Super Bowl was the last game that Mitchell would ever play. He tore his ACL in college and struggled with knee issues as a rookie before being placed on the injured reserve just before the Pats' week one loss to the Chiefs. Mitchell missed all of 2017. He was cut by the Patriots in August 2018 and then underwent another knee surgery before subsequently retiring in March 2019. Mitchell would have likely figured into the 2019 offense if he were still on the roster. And then on Halloween night, the Patriots trade Garoppolo to the 49ers for a second-round pick. That, to me, is the biggest uh, mistake that they could have made. Because just take a look at the success that Garoppolo is having with the 49ers. They have a first-round bye, and they have home field advantage all throughout the playoffs in the NFC. He, he turned down contract extensions and Brady in the middle of what could have been of what would have been an MVP campaign. They are left with little choice but to move on from what their would-be quarterback of the future. And it was reportedly under directive from Robert Kraft, a furious Belichick sends Garoppolo to the 49ers for a second-round pick, uh, perhaps in part to um, obfuscate the return from the trade. Belichick sliced and diced the 49ers pick into a dizzying array of swaps. He traded down with the Bears on two different occasions alone as part of the deal and is still owed their fourth-round pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, The selections Belichick acquired played a key role in drafting Duke Dawson, uh, Joe Juan Williams, Damian Harris, Christian Sam, and Byron Cowart. Highest drafted players were Dawson and Williams, a pair of second-round defensive backs. Dawson missed all of his rookie season with an injury before being traded to the Broncos for a sixth-round pick without playing for the Pats, while Williams served as a reserve cornerback this season. Now, Harris, he was a third-round pick at running back. He spent the season buried on the depth chart and only played five snaps. And, of course, Garoppolo was great in 2017. He was injured for most of 2018 before impressing this season for the top-seeded Niners, like I said. Uh, Realistically, the Patriots waited too long in making this move, which was obvious at the time. The Patriots should have been able to fetch a first-round pick for Garoppolo during spring 2017, which would have allowed them to possibly add a much more valuable contributor in that year's draft than the guys who ended up coming out of the Garoppolo deal. And then in 2018, Josh McDaniels um, reneges on his agreement to become the Colts coach. Two days after the Patriots lost to the Eagles, they got an unlikely piece of good news when McDaniels decided to return to the team. And keeping McDaniels looked like a coup for the Patriots, especially given that they were losing defensive coordinator Matt Patricia to the Lions during the same offseason. And then... That same year, the Giants signed Soldier to a four-year, $62 million deal. The Patriots trade uh, Cooks to the Rams. And the Pats use a first-round pick on Sony Michelle. Gronkowski pops up on the injury report with a back issue on October 19th. The ailing Gronk, he only averaged 39 receiving yards per game over the remainder of the regular season while he was in, like on the injured reserve. And while he'd been playing through the ankle injury, he subsequently misses the next four games after his back. 
and the trade deadline passes without a deal for Derrick Henry. Um, that that was the report, and Henry looked like a uh, little more than the back end of a rotation as his team's power back. And he deserved served to change the change of pace until a fruitful Thursday night game against the Jaguars in December. And remember that one. Henry Swart touched down on the opening drive and took a second-quarter carry from his own one-yard line, 99 yards to the house. And then the Patriots win in the Super Bowl. Immediately after the game, there's speculation that Gronkowski would retire. This was back February 3rd of last year. Then March 11th, Adam Humphrey shuns the Patriots to sign a four-year, $36 million deal with the Titans. And the Dolphins trade Tannehill to the Titans. On March 24th, Gronkowski announces his uh, retirement at the age of 30. And the Patriots use their first-round pick on Nikhil Harry. Uh, in August, center David Andrews was hospitalized. And then Antonio Brown signed and then released by the Patriots from September 9th to the 20th. We all know how that story happened. And then James Delvin and Isaiah Wynn go down injured against the Dolphins. Um, October 2nd, Stephen Gostowski hits an injured reserve. October 22nd, the Patriots trade for Mohamed Sanu. October 31st, the Patriots cut Josh Gordon off the injured reserve. Then Julian Edelman suffers a knee injury in a 23-16 loss to the Chiefs on December 8th. December 29th, we all know that they blew the lead against the Dolphins, and then Michelle suffered um, his stuff on a third and goal carry from the one-yard line. That was the, the game. We're all talking about. On Saturday, though, we finally saw that the solution we all expected the Patriots to find after months of questions about the offense never came. And now as they confront the possibility of a future without their Hall of Fame quarterback, those questions seem even more vexing. The Patriots are rightfully regarded as the smartest organization in the league, and they get as many things right as anybody in football. But a combination of offensive personnel, missteps, Injuries and father time managed to take them down in the wild card round. I know that that was a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack for me. Um, just being able to fathom a New England Patriots team that could be without Tom Brady. With about five minutes left in the show, I do want to get my two cents out nonetheless. I think that it's best if Tom Brady either stays on a, on, a, on a year-to-year basis with the Patriots or that he retires. And either one would suffice me. He, he, still, he still thinks that he has something to prove, and I, I believe that he's justified in that. That if he does, he does. If he doesn't, then, well, that's his choice. And he can leave if, if he wants to on, on his terms. And, and there's something to, you know, something to consider for, for himself, for his family, and for the game of football, something that he loves us so very much. Uh, there, was, um, there was an article or some news that came out sometime earlier this year that they, um, he and his wife, Giselle, they, they sold their home uh, in New England or they put it up on the market. I think they fired it, fired his personal trainer 
because they were going to – or his personal trainer moved. No, he didn't fire the trainer. The trainer was also going to move as well. And so like, it just – it brings up that, that speculation or that, or that question, if you will, because Tom Brady is such an exceptional talent that it, it's, it's really, truly impossible to, to be able to put into words. And that you just gotta watch him, and you gotta you gotta watch the game that he plays. But Tom Brady going anywhere else—that's it, it, that's going to be the end of him by by the end of next year, or by the beginning of next year, whenever the off season officially hits. Because how can you go from a system that you've spent your entire career around, almost twenty years? And this dynasty that you built up with winning six Super Bowls, six Super Bowls, for a team that had won none before you came along. And you're going to enter into a new offensive system where Bill Belichick is no longer your head coach and you are a deteriorated um, asset that could potentially turn into a liability. And somebody's going to have to pay you um, – Big bucks to go wherever it is that you want. I, I've heard the the Chargers are a viable option because they are in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles is Los Angeles. I think LeBron James uh, went there to play for the Lakers, and now look at the success that they're having after the one fluke year uh, that LeBron James had last year in his in his career and many seasons in the NBA. But this is the NFL that we're talking about, and the physicality of the game, and just how different that it. All different that it is. So Brady is faced with a choice. You know, does he does he stay or does he go? And if he goes, then then is he going to stay in the NFL or is he going to go off into the sunset into retirement? Either way, I think that it's it's going to be great for him because he needs to he needs to have that um, about him and just just to find out you know how much how much of him. Is still left in the tank. Well, I think he's still a good starting caliber quarterback. This this past year with the Patriots, they they didn't have the weapons that they really truly needed, and that's going to be a, a telling uh, that's going to be a telling part to the story that uh, we can't wait to dive into whenever the news comes, or at least I can't wait to dive into until the news comes. But until then, I do want to send a huge thank you for uh, for those that are listening to the show this morning uh, from the six to eight time slot, uh, two hours worth of talking sports. And again, I'm so thankful for for each and every one of you. We're also thankful for our sponsors, uh, Gerns Pharmacy, Matt's Burgers, The Fan Zone. Uh, give, give a quick shout out to um, um, Jonathan Farmer at the Tent Farm and uh, Simmons Barbershop, and such a such a great uh, great atmosphere that uh, we have here at Southern Sports Central. We'll be back once again tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock. Uh, hopefully Richie will be in to join us, but until then you have a great, great rest of your day. Take care and uh, you know, say, say hello to someone that you otherwise wouldn't. Um, be, be kind and all of those things. And show, show some love to your neighbor. That's how it's going to be. And we will see you Tomorrow morning. Good night.